I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. Okay, last time we started talking about cards from Tempest, the first set I ever led. Um, and so we got, we were in the middle of blue. So uh, we're going in Wooburg order. So I got through white and part of blue. So we're up to precognition. So that's four and a blue. So five mana total, one of which is blue. It's an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may look at the top card of target opponent's library. If you do, you may put that card on the bottom of that player's library. So it's interesting. Uh, so if you, um, in Fifth Dawn, which would happen many years later, Aaron Forsyth came up with the scry mechanic. Um, then, in Future Sight, a number of years past that, I came up with Fate Seal, which was negative scry. I then realized that actually I'd made Fate Seal long ago because I made this card back during Tempest. So I actually, uh, Fate Seal was actually designed before Scry was designed. Although I do not think Aaron made the negative of precognition, but anyway. So this is Fate Seal on a card from long, long ago. Um, Fate Seal is a, is a mechanic uh, on, I think, one card, on a future shifted card in Future Sight, which basically is a negative uh, Scry. Um, anyway, I like the idea that you could mess with opponents, uh, and uh, precognition means the ability to see the future. So you can see the future, and you can mess with it. Um, so it's also interesting. I, I, it says target opponent's library. I'm curious why it doesn't say target player's library. Like, I can see the future. Do I want to help myself or hurt my opponent? But I didn't. So in retrospect, I, I wish that this card had been target player. Next, propaganda. Two and a blue. So three mana total, one of which is blue. It's an enchantment, um, and it says, Creatures can't attack you unless the controller pays two for each creature they control that's attacking you. Um, so, a couple things. Uh, this ability would later get pushed into white, white being more the taxing color. I think early on, um, because blue did taxing and counter spells, um, that we thought, like, oh, well, blue's the tax, because it had taxing counter spells. And eventually we realized that it made more sense in white than it made in blue, um, and so we moved, And plus blue had too much, so we moved it over to white. But anyway, this was the original version of the effect. This effect um, first showed up in blue, and um, it actually, this, this saw some play. This was, uh, especially because blue was a little more powerful in the early days, uh, and this just was a very good answer to creature decks because it just required them to spend their money uh, if, they want, if they wanted to attack you. Um, there were definitely some strategies back in the day with blue, where blue would play control, and what it would do is just shut things down. And propaganda was good for sort of shutting down um, creatures. But anyway, it, it, it did see some play. Okay, next. Dun, dun, dun. Next is Steel Enchantment. So Steel Enchantment is blue, blue. Uh, it's an enchantment. It's an aura. And you enchant enchantment, uh, and you control enchanted enchantment. So in Alpha, Richard had made control magic, which was uh, uh, you enchant a creature and you steal it. And he made, uh, what was it called? Uh, it was a steel artifact. I think it was called Steel Artifact. Um, and that you can enchant an artifact and steal it. Um, I think when we were making Tempest, I just realized that of the permanence that you could steal, I mean, I guess... I guess there was some card we made that you steal lands. But of the permanence that you might want to steal, that stealing enchantment felt like just, oh, we'd missed it. You know, we hadn't made it yet. 
Uh, and because it was called Steel Artifact, we called this Steel Enchantment. Um, it's a little cheaper than Steel Artifact because they're just better artifacts to steal than enchantments, at least in, back in the day, that was true. Um, anyway, uh, this, this is just one of those cards that like, I felt like had been missing from Magic, like, um, like you know, uh, oh, you can do this or do that, but why, why can't you do this? Like, blue can steal permanence, like, you can, you know, and we, I think, um, we later would make steal any permanent, but I think that came after this. I think that was in, I think, Urza Saga, which would come after Tempest. But anyway, I do enjoy stealing things, so that, that was me, uh, increasing the number of things blue can steal. Okay, next. Time Warp. Three blue-blue sorcery. Target player takes an extra turn after this one. So one of the things that I like to do uh, is take cards that Magic has broken and try to make a non-broken version of them. Uh, I, I spent many a time, many, many cards in Magic have been me trying that. Now sometimes uh, I, I remake a card, well, Usually what I want to do is take a card and remake it in the proper level. Sometimes I can take a card that's too weak and try to make it stronger. Sometimes a card is too strong and try to make it weaker. This is the latter, obviously. Um, the funny thing is I think we came down on this was still a little bit too strong, that I think Time Walk now is six mana or more. Um, but anyway, it's just me saying, hey, I like Time Walk. Yeah, 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 two mana is way too cheap. How about five mana? So this is me trying to... Uh, power adjust, like t taking an effect I know people like and I know is cool um, and just trying to power adjust for it so that, you know, we could uh, still let people play it. Okay, next, Unstable Shapeshifter. Three and a blue. Uh, it's a zero-one creature, a shapeshifter. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, Unstable Shapeshifter becomes a copy of that creature, except it has this ability. Um, so the idea here was I was a huge fan of both Clone and the Vesuvian Doppelganger when they first came out in Magic. Uh, I, liked, I, I, I liked copying effects. Um, and so I liked the idea of what if you had a shapeshifter that kept changing, but it, it wasn't quite, you didn't have quite as much control. So the idea behind this thing is it's just an extra copy of whatever you cast last. Now in some ways, it kind of grants haste to your creature because if, if you, this creature's on the battlefield, so if it becomes a copy of something you've just played, um, then, and you, you can attack with it that turn because it, it doesn't have summoning thickness. Um, but anyway, I, just, I thought it was kind of a quirky way to do a clone, a clone in which it keeps changing, but you don't control, I mean, you control in the sense that you can choose to play more creatures. But um, anyway, I just thought, I, I like clones, so uh, you, can, you can see that I, I keep making various clone, um, clone variants. Next, Whispers of the Muse. Okay, so it's blue, instant, uh, has a buyback of five, which means you may pay an additional five mana as you cast a spell. If you do, put this card in your hand as it resolves. Draw a card. So the idea was that you could just draw a card for a single blue mana, or for five and a blue mana, so six mana total, you can draw a card and keep this card so that you can do it again. So essentially, this card lets you, lets you repeatedly draw a card for six mana. Now, the funny thing was, um, so I talked about this la a little bit last time. Um, buyback was creation of Richard, and um, he really liked the idea of offsetting the card advantage of the card by paying extra mana. You know, because normally when you cast a card, you get the effect and you, you lose the card. And so Richard was playing around with the idea, well, what if you didn't lose the card? In a lot of ways, what happened was buyback kind of functioned like an enchantment, 
with the caveat that my opponent can't easily destroy it. It's not on the battlefield. Um, but it is something that every turn allows me, or not even every turn, when I have the mana, uh, I mean, late, late game, I, in theory, could do this multiple times. When I have the mana, I can activate this thing and do this thing, and I'm not losing the thing that I'm doing. Um, the one difference between this and enchantment, other than it's not in play to be destroyed, is I have the opportunity to do it once for the cheaper costs uh, if um, I, I don't want, you know, I, I, I don't have to buy it, buy it back. Um, one of the jokes at the time among the pros was that if you're really good at buyback, you don't need to buy it back the last time. Like, the last time you play it, you don't need to buy it back because you're not going to play it again. Um, and uh, anyway, there's a lot of discussion. Uh, buyback was a very, I think, interesting mechanic. It was a little bit overpowered, and it did lead to a lot of repetitive game states in the sense that, oh, well, the best thing to do is use all my mana and cast a spell, that and do and every turn that is the correct thing to do. Um, can I mean, Whispers of the Muse? I mean, while Whispers of the Muse was a good card and strong, it really something like capsize is probably a little bit more, uh, at least with drawing a card as far as repetitive game state, you then want to cast the cards you draw. So at least then you're doing other things. Okay, that is it for blue. So let's move on into, into black. Okay, um, my first card in black is. Okay, Carionette. So Carionette costs one in a black, so two mana total, one of which is black. It's a skeleton, a 1-1 skeleton, a creature, obviously. Uh, so it has the ability, two black, black, um, colon, exile Carionette and target creature, exile Carionette and target creature, unless that creature's controller pays two. Activate this ability only if Carionette is in your graveyard. So the idea is that this creature dies, but then it can jump out and it can um, it can uh, grab things. Now the idea is there's a caught. If your opponent can bait two, it can stop it. So you could use carrionette as a means to sort of um, off sort either to steal steal their creature. Uh, I'm sorry, kill their creature. Either you can use it to kill their creature, or you can use it to you know mess with their mana because like oh I'm going to kill your creature. Oh I need my creature. I have to spend two to prevent it. Now I maybe can't cast my bigger spell. Um, this was me messing around with the idea of... I think I made this. I'm pretty sure I made this card. Um, either Mike or I made it, but I think I, think I made this one. Um, messing around with the idea of um, things... Yeah, I'm pretty sure I made this card. Uh, things in your graveyard having use in your graveyard. Um, and I like the idea that this thing dies, but oh, just because it's dead can't mean it can't pop up and get you. I, I think I thought that was pretty funny, and um, uh, obviously the, the name is a play on marionette. Carrion is uh, dead, is de- a dead thing. Um, so instead of marionette, it's carrionette. Anyway, I thought it's a cute name. Um, but anyway, it, it's something that activates out of the graveyard. We don't make a ton of those. Um, next, Coffin Queen. So two and a black. It's a one-one zombie wizard. It's a creature. You may choose not to not to untap Coffin Queen during your untap step. Two and a black tap, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. When Coffin Queen becomes untapped, or you lose control of Coffin Queen, exile that creature. Um, so the idea here is that um, we, uh, there are a bunch of cards in Magic where the creature would do something 
and then it would lock down while it does it, and it doesn't untap. Meaning, you have to sort of, like, it could tap to do something, but then it only can affect one thing at a time. You need to leave it tapped. Um, Old Man of the Sea from Arabian Nights worked this way. Um, you know, there were a bunch of different cars that kind of did something. Uh, and I liked that. I thought it was kind of cool. So this was me pushing into a new area, which is um, reanimation. Oh, the Coffin Queen can reanimate a dead thing, but only one thing at a time. Um, but the idea was, if you ever want to reanimate a different thing, um, you could always untap the Coffin Queen, let the old creature go, and then you can get something new. And there's a button, like you could sacrifice. I mean, there's other ways you could get rid of it so that you can then untap the Coffin Queen and steal a different creature. Um, but anyway, this was just, this is definitely a good example of early magic. Uh, I mean, we still do, do this now, but um, Tempest, because it was the first time I got to make a set, there's a lot of me going, oh, I like this effect. Like, I like this kind of card. I like this effect. Like, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of reanimation. Um, so, like, the idea of, oh, this repeatable thing, oh, but I can make it, you know, and the idea that I can only animate one thing at a time sort of gets to be a limitation. I thought that was a cool limitation. So, it's definitely a fun thing of me playing around in that space. Okay, Commander Greven Ilvek. Three, black, black, black. So, six mana total, three of which is black. Uh, it is um, a 7-5 creature. Uh, with fear. So fear is a creature can't be blocked except by artifact creatures and or black creatures. Um, so it's a human war, a legendary creature, human warrior, 7-5. When Commander Grevenelvec enters the battlefield, sacrifice a creature. So the idea, so uh, in the story, Grevenelvec was the right-hand man of Volrath. Um, and one of the things I remember reading is when you have a bad guy, that if you have a bad guy who's mainly a smart bad guy, you want, you want him to have a sidekick that's a strong bad guy. That's sort of scary because he's so strong. So the idea of Grevenelvec was Vorath had done experiments on him to make him very powerful, but it, it was very painful. He, he grafted a spine on him. Spinal graft shows that. And Greven is very powerful, um, but he is sort of kept in check by Vorath who tortures him. Uh, and Greven does not particularly like um, Vorath, but... He sort of serves him because, you know, so um, so one of the things that we wanted to play around with was um, we wanted Greven to. Um, oh, the other thing that happens is uh, in the story, Greven has a ship called the Predator, and when the Weatherlight first shows up, the Predator show, comes and, and attacks the Weatherlight, and. Um, Grevenelvec jumps aboard the ship and fights um, Gerard, and, and, and Gerard ends up falling over the side of the ship. Everybody believes that Gerard dies. He doesn't. Um, but um, the reason that he falls over the side of the ship is the, um, the second-in-command on the ship is a guy named Vadi Ildal. And Vadi is, seizes an opportunity to both uh, capture the Weatherlight and to get rid of Grevenelvec because he's trying to move up in the world. Uh, and then when Grevin comes back, he's mad. Um, and uh, there, there's, a three, there's three lines, there's three different... Uh, there's a little tiny story about uh, Vadiel Dahl trying to kill, and then Grevin comes back. Uh, and basically, the, the line is, um, Grevin says... Because he, he tried to shoot on the ship to kill him, but it didn't, it didn't kill Grevin. And it goes, 
Um, I, I'm not sure what's. I'm not sure which is more pathetic, your judgment or your aim. And then, and then he throws. Grevenovec uh, throws Vadi over the side of the ship. Um, that the the fall will give you time to think upon your failure. I think, I think it's fine. Anyway, Grevenovec is a, is a, a mean. He's the right hand sidekick to to Volrath, and he's big and strong and nasty. We wanted to capture that. Um, so the way we did it is made a really big creature. So fear, fear would later become intimidate, which would later become menace. So we've we've always liked having uh, a creature keyword that involves I'm scary. Um, early on, it was based on the card Fear from Alpha, which is can only be blocked by black and artifact creatures. We then made intimidate that said only blocked by creatures, artifact creatures, or creatures that share my color. Uh, and then eventually we decided not to make a color base that just made menace, which um, requires you have multiple things to block it. Anyway, uh, one of the things that I know when we made Commander Grevenovac was we wanted something big and mean and scary, so we liked the idea that it's a 7-5 fear creature is hard to deal with. That's big and scary. Um, but in order to offset that, to make it at, at, at a cost that was reasonable, we make you sacrifice a creature, which also played into the Vadi story in that he's willing to sacrifice his own creature. You know, like he, He's not beyond killing his own men if need be. Next, Dark Ritual, black, instant, add black, black, black to your mana pool. So one of the things I find funny, the reason I, I want to talk about this is Dark Ritual obviously was an alpha. It's one of the boons. Um, so uh, white had Healing Salve, blue had Ancestral Recall, black had Dark Ritual, red had Lightning Bolt, and green had Giant Growth. Each color had a one mana spell that did three of its thing. Um, I think they all were common at one point, and then Richard realized that and such a recall was super powerful. They ended up moving it to rare to make it. This is back in the day where they thought people would only spend so much money on cards, and so not a lot of people would have ancestral recall was the idea. Anyway, um, I just want to bring out the Tempest is 1998. So Magic came out in 1993. So this is five years into Magic's lifespan, and Dark Ritual was still something we printed. Now we're like, oh, that's too powerful. We can't print it. And we also moved the ability from black to red. Um, but it's interesting to note that, like, Tempest was some significance into magic, you know, ma- I mean, um, oh, I'm sorry, Tempest came out in 97, so it's four, it's four years, it came out in 97, it's four years in. But anyway, it took us a while to understand things like the power level of certain effects and shifting the color pie and stuff. So like Dark Ritual, which I don't think people realize that it's something for a while we should consider it a staple, like of course you put it in, like why wouldn't Black and Dark Ritual? Um, so anyway, I thought it was just to point out that Tempest to me, which is sort of starting Mirage with the start of the Second Age, for those that know my ages of magic design. And it's interesting that even in the Second Age, we were still making a drug ritual. Okay, Douthy Ghoul. One in a black. Um, one, one. Creature, Douthy Zombie. It's got shadow. This creature can, be, can block and be blocked only by creatures with shadow. Whenever a creature with a shadow dies, put a plus one plus counter on Douthy, Douthy Ghoul. Okay, so Shadow was an ability that um, Mike Elliott had made in his Astral Ways uh, set. That was a set that he made before he came to Wizards. That when Wizards hired him, they bought the rights to the set. And Slivers and Echo and um, Shadow all came from that set. So all, all three of those mechanics. And all of them, we, we ended up putting all of them in Tempest. We later, because there was too many things in development took Shadow out, and then Mike, a year later, put it into Urza Saga. Um, 
So uh, flavor-wise, what we did was the flavor of the world was that um, Volrath, uh, the Frexians had made an artificial plane because they were going to overlay it onto Wrath as a means of their attack. Um, the idea being that they would, they would get all their troops all ready and then they would phase Wrath onto Dominaria, which basically meant that they would all appear all at once as a means to, to invade. Um, so Volrath uh, was responsible or partially responsible for filling up the plane. And so they, they grabbed... This is back in the day where uh, planar portals just worked a little more effectively than they do now. Uh, the mending kind of messed up planar portals so they don't really work anymore, at least not for living things. But anyway, they grabbed a lot of creatures from other planes and brought them onto this plane. Um, so the, the, um, the Vec, the Core, and the Dal, for example, were, all came from different places. We now know the um, Core came from Zendikar. Um, there were a couple other races that got grabbed, one of which was the, the Delphi, the Sultari, and the Thalicos. They didn't quite make it. The process was flawed, and they got pulled partway there, but were kind of trapped in between planes. That's how we represented Shadow in, in our game. Um, and the idea was that they, they can interact with them, each other, but they're too ethereal to interact with the real world. So the Sultari, the Delphi, and the Thalicos, Sultari was white, Thalicos was blue, Delphi was black. Those three races can interact with each other, but they couldn't interact with, with sort of the rest of the creatures. Um, Shadow ended up being... So Shadow basically is a flying variant. Uh, it's kind of like high-flying. Um, high-flying is flyers that can only block flyers. Um, so it ended up being pretty efficient because it, for all intents and purposes, it's just unblockability in Constructed, where the opponent... I mean, in Limited, yeah, yeah, there's a good chance you'd have some Shadow creatures. Um, Shadow showed up in white, blue, and black. But um, in Constructed, it was mostly just unblockable, which, which ha had some issues. So speaking of good uh, Shadow creatures, Delphi Mind Ripper, three and a black, so four mana total, one of which is black. It's a 2-1 Delphi Minion. It's got shadow, so it can only block re black by creatures of shadow. Whenever Delphi Mind Ripper attacks and isn't blocked, you may sacrifice it. If you do, defending player discards three cards. So this was a constructed card. So the idea here is, uh, it's what we call saboteur, which is if I hit the player, I can then sacrifice a creature. Well, R&D now refers to a saboteur as something that just, when it hits the creature, does something. This, when it hits the creature, requires you to sacrifice it, so it's not a repeatable effect. But the idea is if I can get into once to hit you, not only do I do two damage to you, but also I can make you discard three cards. Um, and the fact that it has shadow, meaning it's mostly unblockable, at least in Constructed, uh, it became this very powerful card where I can get out a creature, I can attack you, and then if you had cards in your hand, I would usually make you discard the cards. If you didn't, if your hand was empty, okay, fine, I can keep it around and attack, keep attacking you with it. Um, but it was, it was definitely a, an effective card that could help get rid of people's hands. Okay, Death Pits of Wrath. Three black, black enchantment. Whenever a creature is dealt damage, destroy it. It can't be regenerated. Um, so, uh, Death Pits of Wrath and um, Furnace of Wrath were both cards that when we made them, I think we called it Death Pits of Wrath and we called it Furnace of Wrath, even though the plane at the time wasn't yet called Wrath. Uh, and we liked, the, we liked the name of those two cards so much that Michael and I named the plane Wrath. So we can call it Death Pits of Wrath and Furnace of Wrath. We thought those names were awesome. So this card is responsible for the, the Plane of Wrath being called Wrath. Tempest took place on Wrath. That was the Plane of Tempest. Um, the idea of this card was just, 
Uh, it was kind of a super terror. like, I hurt anything and it dies. Like, not, nothing can heal was the idea of this card. Normally in Magic, you know, if, if, I, if I do damage to something, but not enough to kill it, well, it survives. And this is like, no, any damage just is going to kill anything. There's no such thing as, as healing from damage. If I, if I hurt you, you're just going to die. Um, and it has the rider because at the time, for some reason, most of our kill effects, we had, we had this anti-regeneration text on it, which was like, well, why, why regeneration if, if, if all the black cards that kill things don't really regenerate? So we eventually stopped making all the kill spells ha- have the anti-regeneration clause, but it's one of those things that, like, early on, I think Terror had it, so we just grandfathered it into black kill effects and eventually realized we didn't need to do that, but we did do it for a while. Okay, Dregs of Sorrow, X4 Black. So X mana, X, X uh, generic mana, plus four generic mana, plus one black mana. Sorcery, destroy X target non-black creatures, draw X cards. So we used to refer to this spell as X4B, because that's its mana cost. And it, B being, you know, in, in, when we uh, write things in files, we use letters rather than symbols, just because we don't have access to the symbols yet. Um, actually, now in the database we do, but back then we didn't. So when we, we refer to it, we, uh, we, we'll refer to black as B. Um, so X4B was the nickname of this card. Uh, we like the idea of a card that was an X spell that you kill X creatures and draw X cards. Um, but we, it needed to have a whole bunch of mana, and we didn't want all of it to be black because we wanted this to be something that you could maybe play in a deck that wasn't mono-black. Uh, and so we ended up putting an X spell and combining it with generic mana. This is the first time I believe we ever did that. And we don't do it very... Normally, it looks better just to have colored mana with an X spell. So most of our X spells are like X. And then however many mana we need, we just do colored mana. So like, let's say it, it was going to be only two mana. It'd be, you know, X black black. Uh, this one needed five mana. We didn't want to do five black mana. Um, not only was it a little bit too much black mana and make you play a mono black deck, but also I'm not sure we could fit the name Dregs of Sorrow on the card and have X black 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 black, meaning six mana symbols. That would take up a lot of space. Um, but anyway, I like this card, and it's definitely... Um, it's fun when you're making a set to try to make a card that is, is like, oh my, this does a lot. Oh my goodness. Oh, wow, if you have a lot of mana, you can destroy so much creatures. Um, there's a thing we call in design, sort of... Um, I, I think players call it Magic Christmas Land. Uh, the, the idea that um, how when players see a card, they want to imagine the best possible version. What happens if this is firing on all cylinders? And like, oh, well, if I have enough mana, it's like, I destroy every creature my opponent has and then draw cards for each creature destroyed. Like, that's pretty, pretty major, so it's kind of cool. Okay, next. Extinction. Um, so extinction is four and a black. Sorcery. Destroy all creatures of the creature type of your choice. Um, I think this card, when I made it originally, was called the Genocide because it's taking all of one creature type and destroying it. But there's a lot of connotation to genocide, and and we decided that uh, extinction sort of captured the flavor without being quite as uh, real-world disturbing, I think. So we we ended up not calling it genocide. Um, Rightfully so, I think. Um, Well, while from a word standpoint, it does demonstrate what the thing is doing, we have to remember that cards have real meaning within the context of the world. So um, I made this, by the way, in that... um, there was a lot of people... And interestingly, there's a lot of people that like playing uh, tribal decks, and this was just kind of an answer to tribal decks. Actually, a pretty brutal answer to tribal decks. Um, 
kind of funny that tribal decks weren't particularly good at the time. So the idea that I felt a need to make an answer for something that wasn't even good. Later on with Onslaught, we'd start really pushing tribal decks and, you know, starting to make some... I mean, I guess back then there, there were a few tribal decks that showed up, like Merfolk and stuff, a few things back in the day. So anyway, it was just... It was a sideboard answer to, 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 um, to tribal decks. Okay, Gravedigger. Three and a black creature, zombie, 2-2. Two, two. When Gravedigger enters the battlefield, you may return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So this is the first time we made Gravedigger. I, I, I made it in the set. Um, okay, so one of the things... So Vision, Vision, the set Visions, introduced the first what we call enter the battlefield effects, meaning there was... Um, Mana War that bounced the creature, and there was, uh, what was the black card? There's a black card that destroyed a creature. There's a green card that destroyed an artifact. Uptabi Orangutan. Um, what was the black, the black card? You guys know the black card. Um, anyway, one of the things that Visions had introduced was this idea of enter the battlefield effects. Interestingly, um, I was working on Tempest before we worked on Visions, so I had not seen those cards yet. So, um, one of the, the, the things I'm very proud of in um, Gravedigger was that I made an Enter the Battlefield effect before I'd seen anybody else make an Enter the Battlefield effect. Uh, it turns out in Magic, by the time this came out, um, it, it existed before this card. But um, my, my personal, for myself, claim to fame, uh, that made me proud was that I, I managed to make an Enter the Battlefield effect uh, before I'd seen someone else make it. Um, so the reason this came about was we had a mechanic in the set for a while that when you drew it, you triggered it. And the idea was that it had a difficult back or something, and that when you draw the card, you're like, oh, look, it's one of those cards. You show everybody, go, oh, look at the effect I get. And the idea was, it would. my opponent now had knowledge that I had the card, but I got an effect right away. And so the idea that when I put it in my deck, I had to take into account that I had this effect just for drawing. I, I didn't have to play it. I got this effect when I drew the card. Turned out that didn't work. We ended up... Um, then Richard brought up buyback, and we went down a different path to do buyback. But I, we had a card that when you drew it, uh, raised dead a creature. It, it, it took a creature from card from the graveyard, put it in your hand. Um, and then I think I think it was just a two-two creature on the battlefield. Um, and I really liked the design, so I was trying to figure out how to sort of get it. And then it dawned on me, well, what if I just instead of when you drew the card, I just gave that effect to you when you played it. And so I just put it on that card and. Anyway, um, it ended up becoming a, a staple that we use all the time. So, um, also, I think it's a zombie because I, uh, one of my little mini goals, uh, as you'll see as we go through black, was I was trying to make zombies good. And so I made a bunch of really good zombies and then I just made some cards I liked into zombies. So this card got made into a zombie. Um, how, how are we doing on time? Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to do a few more cards. I just, I just got here, but I'm going to do a few more cards. Can I finish all black? I think I, I, think I can. I think I'm going to finish black today. Um, Living Death, three black, black, sorcery. So five mana total, two which is black. Each player exiles all creature cards from the graveyard, then sacrifice all creatures they control, then puts all cards they exile this way onto the battlefield. So the idea, essentially, of this card is um, all players take the living creatures they have on the battlefield and the dead creatures they have in the graveyard and swap them. This is a Mike Elliott card. In fact, this is my favorite design by Mike Elliott in Tempest and maybe ever. I, re- I really, really like this design. This is a, mwah, a beautiful design. So the idea is you just swap the living and the dead. In order to make that happen, um, you have to first exile your creature cards. Because if, um, if you 
first killed them and then brought the creatures from the graveyard on the battlefield, you would take the dead things that you just killed and put them back. So you have to exile them first so that they're not out of the way. Then you sort of have to exile one set of cards so you can move the other set of cards. And then you can, so it's sort of like you have to shift around like a little wood puzzle. Um, but anyway, I thought this was a really cool card. Really cool card. Um, next is Perish. Two and a black. Sorcery. Destroy all green creatures that can't be regenerated. This is the black part of the cycle, the color hosing cycle. Black wants to kill green. Well, what is green like? Green likes creatures. What is black like doing? Killing creatures. Uh, green ended up being... Uh, it's funny. This card really did a lot to hold green back. Because if you try to make a green, especially a mono green deck, this card just wrecked you from the sideboard. So it ended up being a, a little bit powerful. Um, Rats of Wrath. One black creature. Rat. Black. Destroy target artifact creature or land you control. Two and a one. So interestingly... This card is a two-mana two-one, and that ability seems like it's something like destroy target artifact creature or land you control. Oh, great, I can destroy my own things. Why would you want to destroy your own things? What ended up being a very, very important card because of a little rule called fizzling. So in um, this game, in Tempest, we had buyback. Buyback lets you repeatedly do things. Well, the one nice... I mean, the reason this card was made originally, I think we were just playing around with the idea that, you, you know, you might want to, you know, can you, can, can you as a giant come up with cool and interesting ways why you want to kill your own things? It ended up, um, once we started playing around with buyback, it was the answer to buyback. So if my opponent capsizes my creature, and every turn they're capsizing my creature, if I spend one black mana and I sacrifice my creature in response to them capsizing my creature, the creature's no longer there. Thus, the spell does not resolve. It fizzles. Um, that, that's old slang for not resolving. It's not really an official term anymore. Um, and because of that, because it doesn't resolve, the, the buyback part doesn't work. That the card has to resolve in order to... Because what you're doing is adding on and return to my hand. But if the card doesn't resolve, it doesn't get and go to my hand, so it goes to the graveyard. So if I got Rats of Wrath, uh, rats of wrath out, and you had a capsize or something in your hand, if you had a buyback that targeted my creature, or one of my things, it didn't work like Whispers of the Muse. But if you target one of my things, I could stop it with this card. So it ended up being very powerful. So reanimate, black, sorcery, put target creature card from a graveyard on the battlefield under your control. You lose life equal to its converted mana cost. Another thing I love doing is reanimating creatures. Uh, I made a lot of reanimation decks. I was just trying to make the cheapest reanimate I could. And the idea was, oh, well, there'll be a cost, which is the converted mana cost. So if I get a really big thing out, it's very painful for me. Uh, the problem was, so you pay it. It is just not like, oh, look, I'm getting a horribly crazy dangerous thing out that normally costs me eight mana. Okay, I have to pay eight life for it. La-di-da, I'm going to crush you. Like, it, it, it ended up being not, it was not as, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we later learned that reanimates can't be that cheap because if you make reanimates very cheap, it makes it hard to make really good large creatures. And we want to make fun, big, large, expensive creatures. You know, things that when you get out are really dangerous. But if you can get them out super cheaply, that causes a lot of problems. And reanimate definitely was one of the things that caused some problems. Sarcomancy, black, enchantment. When Sarcomancy enters the battlefield, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there are no zombies on the battlefield, Sarcomancy deals one damage to you. So the idea was I made a 2-2 a two, two zombie for a single black mana with the downside of if somehow this dies and there's no other zombies, it starts doing damage to you. Um, I tried to do that as a creature. We tried a lot of things to make it work as a creature. 
like well in your graveyard it has the ability if you don't have a zombie in play you lose one life and in the end it proved easier to make an enchantment that just made a token um and at one point the idea was when this creature is dead um you take damage so you get a, a two two for one mana which was at the time something black wasn't remotely supposed to get i mean now black i gets two ones occasionally um anyway and then we decided, because I was pushing, I really wanted zombies to be a thing. I said, well, instead of punishing for not even this zombie, how about we just say zombies? And that way, if you're playing a zombie deck and you have other zombies, then it doesn't do damage to you. Um, so this thing was one of the things that definitely started putting zombies on the map from a construction standpoint. So um, I made this and I made, uh, there was one other zombie I made in another set that was a B22. I made two different B22 zombies. Um, and that, anyway, I really started putting zombies. So my goal was to put zombies on the map, and I did. So anyway, that is it for black. So I, uh, next time we'll come, we'll be talking red. Uh, but I'm now at work, so we all know that means. This is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time.